again, thank you for inviting uh, me and my family and uh, inviting or welcoming my uh, Japanese friends who came to, to Ireland on Monday and have experiencing the, the glories of Ulster, Ulster fries and all the rest of it. Um, so this will be their, their first and final Sunday uh, here in, in, uh, in Ireland. So if you do have any questions about Japan or just want to talk to a Japanese person for the first time, uh, please. Um, yeah, their English is very good. So, yeah. Um, before we start, um, this might seem like a, quite a heavy subject uh, to weigh in on the first time you speak at a church. Uh, it might even be titled in your Bibles, Repent or Perish. Uh, but I'd like to add my own title for this section of Scripture and for this sermon, uh, being The Disaster of Unbelief. So please keep your stones in your pockets until the end. Um, so today's uh, message will be from Luke 13, um, from verse 1 to 9. Luke 13, verses 1 to 9. Okay, I'll, I'll just read it to you. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that these were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Let me just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is powerful. It uh, is life-giving. Uh, it changes our lives. Um, and we pray, God, that the, this, uh, these verses today will speak deeply into our hearts uh, and each of our individual circumstances um, and we pray, Lord, that this time would bring glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the, first of all, before we start, uh, I would like us to quickly orientate ourselves uh, to where we are in the Bible. Uh, between Luke chapters 9, 51 to 1944, Jesus is on his journey to Jerusalem, teaching in various places uh, before arriving uh, at the climax of his ministry, um, in Jerusalem, where his crucifixion and resurrection uh, would take place. Uh, the verses we will look at today are actually the end of a dialogue uh, that started back in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 1. Uh, let me just read it to you. It says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling on one another, he began to say to his disciples first, and from that point onwards, there are a number of interesting teachings aimed at the large crowd and his disciples who were present at the time. 
And chapter 13 seems like it's a continuation of that dialogue with the crowd before ending at verse 9, where the scene changes to him teaching in a synagogue. This dialogue uh, that we see now could be split into two, and perhaps in some of your Bibles uh, it already uh, has uh, separate titles for verses 1 to 5 and 6 to 9. Um, But we shouldn't treat them uh, as two individual teachings as Jesus ties them together uh, to drive his point home. Uh, to his listeners. Uh, so now that we've uh, painted a picture of where and when this is all taking a place, um, let's look at the first section from verses 1 to 5. Uh, in verse 1, uh, some people in the crowd feel the need to tell Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Um, in plain English, um, They are basically referring to a time uh, that Pilate had killed some Galileans uh, whilst they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Uh, For what uh, exact reason, uh, we don't know. Um, But this act of violence fits very uh, well with what we know about Pilate's attitude towards the Jews. In much ancient Jewish thought, uh, when something bad happened uh, to someone, people wondered what that person had done wrong. And we can see examples of this sort of belief throughout scripture, um, such as in the story of the man born blind, uh, where the people ask Jesus again, who sinned, this man or his parents? However, this isn't an alien concept uh, to us today either, is it? Uh, With many cultures around the world uh, still having this sort of worldview. uh, And surprisingly, and sadly, uh, sometimes it's even found in some Christian circles uh, as well. So it could be easily assumed here that those telling Jesus uh, thought that this, was, this death uh, was a just punishment uh, for, those, uh, for some sin that these people had committed. Uh, whatever the reason for them telling Jesus, uh, it introduces uh, us to a huge topic um, of the problem of human suffering and evil and provokes Jesus to respond. This is how Jesus answers them in verse 2 with a rhetorical question. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Then in verse 3, Jesus gives them a very straight answer. He says, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus then continues with a second uh, rhetorical question, speaking of another tragic event that happened in Jerusalem. Uh, most likely on the city wall uh, above the pool of Siloam where Jesus healed the man born blind. He says, Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? And again, he replies to his own question, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Here Jesus is clearly teaching against their false belief, stating that there is no relationship between disaster and sinfulness. In fact, he resets the conversation to focus in on the universal uh, problem of sin, saying, unless you repent, the same conclusion comes to us all. You will all all, uh, likewise perish. Jesus is saying the problem here lies in the fact that sin left undealt with, has a bitter end. 
And the perishing that Jesus is talking about is not physical death. Um, he is no way saying that you will also come to a tragic death unless you repent. Uh, perhaps like the Galileans or the 18 on whom the tower fell. But he is emphasizing the spiritual death and judgment that accompanies unrepentance at the time of death. Because inevitably all people die at some point. We all experience the disaster, so to speak, of death. This is the important truth that Jesus wants his listeners to grapple with. On March 11th, uh, 2011, you may remember, uh, there was a devastating earthquake in the Tohoku region of Japan, uh, in which we actually uh, lived these past few two years, and where Nide and Keiko-san both lived very close to where this disaster uh, was most, um, uh, most terrible. Um, an enormous earthquake uh, triggered a tsunami, a tidal wave, with a maximum wave height of 40 meters. Thousands of people were killed, communities destroyed, and still many today are living with the deep scars uh, from that unforgettable day. Japan is a country uh, which disaster uh, can strike at any time. When we first arrived in Japan in 2017, uh, we lived in Sapporo, uh, which is in the north island of Hokkaido. Uh, and in Japan, earthquakes and natural disasters, uh, they don't just happen equally frequently and to the same extent everywhere in the country. Geography uh, plays a huge part uh, in where and when disasters come. However, Sapporo is known to be an area less uh, prone to earthquakes. We were told we had nothing to worry about, um, although there was some rumor that a large earthquake would hit uh, the city in the next 30 years or so, but for the most part, we were told not to worry. However, uh, in the early hours of September 2018, uh, I was woken up uh, by a harrowing alarm on my phone. Uh, it's one I didn't know existed, uh, but there was no doubt to its meaning. Accompanying the alarm was a noise uh, and a woman's voice saying, Jishin, Jishin, which means earthquake, earthquake. Within seconds, our room was shaking violently. It's interesting to know that in Japan, uh, houses and buildings are actually built to move uh, so that when an earthquake hits, it doesn't collapse. So if you're not moving, it's very worrying. So it, we were happy that we were moving at the time in, in a way, but... This also means that the higher you live, uh, the, the higher the floor you live on, uh, the more it's going to move. Um, we were only living on the third floor, uh, but the force of the earthquake had no mercy no matter where you were. The noise was unforgettable as the walls moved and cracked simultaneously as everything in our kitchen uh, was getting smashed uh, to bits. So this next, this next um, slide is from the previous earthquake, not the one we experienced, but... You can just see the, the devastation um, that it did. This is the, the city of Sapporo, uh, which we lived, and this was, it was in the north uh, island of Hokkaido. Yeah, so everything was smashing around us, um, and I was in quite a dilemma, really. Uh, the male instincts inside of me uh, were to protect my wife, an unborn child. Uh, 
At this point, I didn't honestly know if the building was going to collapse or not. Um, so I had to make a quick decision to either run or stay put. Um, we were told that the entrance to the, the, the house was actually the strongest place uh, to go. So we initially ran there. Um, but I think maybe perhaps it was the, the scary cat inside of me. But uh, I decided that possibly the building was going to fall down. So I, I ran out with my wife. Um, but however, when we got outside, uh, we discovered no one else was outside. So we ran back inside uh, to the genkan, the front entrance of the house. Uh, and as the shaking subsided, we made our beds in the entrance of the house uh, until morning. Yeah, and in the picture you can see there's an oven on the floor. We, we bought that oven just a week or two before this happened and we had to buy another one afterwards. Um, the raw power of the earthquake uh, ripped up our local road uh, and sadly it killed around 40 people. Uh, for, the power was out for days uh, and the, the shop shelves soon became empty as people frantically tried to buy all their supplies and uh, supplies coming into the area uh, were uh, stopped because of the road damage and uh, different things. And there's another picture of a before and after uh, shot of uh, where, sadly, I think most of the people died. Um, they died because of the landslides. Um, so you can see what it looked like before the earthquake and after. And just the power of these earthquakes is absolutely uh, relentless. Disaster in Japan can come at any time. When you are completely unknowing, things can be changing below the surface. How do you think Jesus uh, would respond to someone that said these earthquakes were a judgment from God? And sadly, I actually heard myself, uh, heard someone myself uh, on one occasion saying that this was the case. On a side note, it might be interesting to know that earthquakes are actually essential uh, for keeping balance and sustaining life on our planet. Either way, perhaps Jesus would have replied like this. Do you think that these people were worse sinners than the rest of society? Do you think that these sinners were worse than those in the UK? A simple self-assessment would argue very much not. If judgment did befall the worst sinners of all, I think the UK would be up there. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. We call these things natural disasters, and don't get me wrong, the loss of life is very tragic. However, the real disaster is not so much the disaster itself, but the fact that people die without the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. This leads us to verses 6 to 9. If Jesus uses this previous passage from verses 1 to 5 to highlight the importance of repentance, he uses verses 6 to 9, the parable of the fig tree, to drive home the fact that the opportunity to repent does not last forever. Jesus sets the scene with a fig tree in a vineyard. The owner has been waiting for three years to see if it would bear fruit. And when he sees that, again, it has failed to produce anything, he's had enough and orders it to be cut down. However, the vine dresser says to the owner to give it another chance. And if after another year it still doesn't bear any fruit, then he should cut it down. And so the tree is given an extra year of grace, one more beyond the three the owner had already set. 
What Jesus is explicitly saying here is do not fail to recognize your season of opportunity to repent. In Japan, there is a helpful concept that we can learn from called mujokan. It basically means that life is transient or the perception of an evanescent life, evanescent, the perception of the evanescence of life. Sometimes English is worse than Japanese. And basically, it's a concept that would be described as a bubble on water that will always pop or how a flowing river is always changing. There is nothing that stays the same or there is nothing that lasts forever. There will be a time uh, when our season, our life will come to an end and the opportunity to repent with it. So a couple of points of application uh, to finish off here. How does this passage apply to us and matter to our lives? First and foremost, uh, we can't ignore that this message is a personal invitation uh, to consider our own lives before God. This message of Jesus is not finger pointing or a message to turn or burn. Rather, it is a warning of the, real- of the reality of life. It's an encouragement to recalibrate our thinking and to remind us that we are finite creatures, that death comes to us all. And when that day comes, it is important that we are able to stand confident as forgiven children of God. So if you're someone who wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, I think it's, an important, uh, I think it's important to remember here that Jesus, uh, not to perceive Jesus wrongly, he is not uh, saying he, he doesn't want you to perish. Um, if that was the case, uh, I don't think he would have warned people of the need to repent. And he certainly wouldn't have went to the great depths he did uh, when he nailed my sins and your sins uh, and shame with himself on the cross. He stood in our place uh, so we can stand before God as forgiven and accepted. And he did this out of love for us. All we need to do is love him in return. And in doing so, when the disasters of life come, as they come to all, we know who our Lord is and our Savior is in the face of those disasters and can have confidence that this is not the end. I think the events that we have all been watching on our TVs this week uh, about the crisis in Ukraine have been a sober reminder uh, that we are very lucky to have peace at this time in our country. But things can change in an instant, just as they did for the Ukrainian people. A couple we worked with in Japan were actually fundraising in Ukraine uh, to go back to Japan to continue life as missionaries. But in a Facebook post on Thursday night, they said that their mission was now to Ukraine as conscription had uh, come into play for 18 to 60-year-olds. Besides war, uh, we all know the disaster of sickness uh, in life, don't we? Over the past four years since we've been away, we've come back to families with one less mother or one less child. Life is like a changing river and a bubble on water. Secondly, I think is... uh, This message is an incredible challenge to the Church of God. I'm very encouraged uh, to uh, see Gilda Herc's involvement and interest in mission. However, it's a great challenge, uh, isn't it, to keep the urgency of the gospel at the front of our minds and to press on with sharing it. To keep on thinking about how best we can reach 
our community here in Gilnahirk. Our place as the Church of God in God's mission isn't something that is static, uh, as our culture and community is ever-changing. On returning home uh, to Belfast, we were really surprised to see how multicultural Belfast has become. Perhaps you might have even noticed a number of foreigners on your streets, or perhaps you even have foreign neighbours. Our church in Sainfield Road has also uh, noticed an increasing number of foreign people attending things like Mothers and Tots. And so it's a, a challenge we need to rise to. It's actually the responsibility of the church. There is an interesting quote by William Temple, and it says something like this. The church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. The church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. The church of God is his instrument in making his gospel known to all people. In what way is God leading Gilna Herc to be part of his mission to the world, both home and abroad? And lastly, there is a challenge to us on a personal level as Christians. Perhaps you might ask how God uh, would use you to share the message of Jesus Christ. He might not send you to Japan, but he might, you never know. But there is a great work to be done in your workplaces, in your schools and families. You may feel unequipped or inadequate, and maybe you are. I certainly was 12 years ago uh, when God invited me to surrender my own fears and inadequacies to him. But with a little prayer uh, and openness, there is no end to the things God can do through you. I was working in shorts uh, in a small team of fitters, uh, and they wouldn't mind me saying that they were quite a rough bunch of people. They had experienced life to the full in all the wrong ways. Uh, but with a little prayer, opportunities started to, to come to share my faith. Then one day, uh, I thought I was going to die. The alpha male of the group, uh, a man among men, so to speak, came to me recognizing the, the sinfulness and the shape uh, of the boys in our team uh, and their habits and asked me if I would read the Bible to them. The anxiety that took over me at that point was unreal. I was a lad who wouldn't pray out loud. I would never speak out in a group. I had went to Newton Breda High School, uh, so whether it was self-inflicted or not, I had a, a label over my head that uh, was not very intelligent. Uh, so I had no confidence uh, whatsoever. But knowing this was a precious opportunity uh, from God, uh, I said yes. And I tell you, my first reading probably sounded more like a rap more than a reading for the amount of stuttering I did over the words... But from that point onwards, every Friday at break time, we'd study the Bible, and my life would be drenched in anxiety for the next two years. But I wouldn't trade that time for anything. It's amazing what sort of trouble a prayer might get you into. Don't hesitate. Uh, don't underestimate uh, God's ability to use you, whoever you are and whatever your background Let's pray to finish. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for how challenging it is uh, in our lives. It challenges us to think about our own position uh, in it before you. 
It challenges uh, us to think about our positions as Christians in this community. Lord, I pray that this message would sink deep into our hearts, every one of us, that you would lead and guide us uh, according to your will. If we need to repent, Lord, help us to repent. If we need to step out of our comfort zones and share your gospel, help us, Lord, to step out of those comfort zones. Lord, you are mighty. You are the God of this world. You are the God of Japan. You are the God of Northern Ireland. Help us to trust in your power and protection. Help us to trust in your will uh, and goodness uh, that you have for our lives. And that whatever we do, uh, Father, we know and can trust in your help. We know that whatever we do in your name doesn't come back empty. Father, help us to have the conviction in our lives about the urgency of repentance and the urgency of the gospel. Help us to share it with those in our community around us. And I pray, Lord, uh, for Gilnahirk Baptist Church. We pray that in Gilnahirk, uh, in this ever-changing uh, society, uh, that you would help them and lead them in the way you wish uh, them to do mission in their own community. And I pray as well, Father, that if anyone is uh, thinking about mission or how might you be leading them into ministry, God, I pray that you would lead them along uh, in their steps of faith and following you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.